Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to, um, I don't know exactly what we're calling this. We're going to call this the Strickland Live Q&A. That's what we're doing. Uh, I am your host, Shwini Poo, uh, and I am joined by our um, handler of many social media posts and artwork and all kinds of fun things. His name is Zach. That is at underscore Zach Blatter on Twitter. Zach, how are you? Happy to be here. Happy to be up 3-1 against the Cleveland Cavaliers and very happy to have attended game three and watched the Knicks annihilate the Cavs in person. And oh. it was a special, it was a transcendent experience. Well, it's even nicer when um, you scored and I really nice tickets. I did score some really nice tickets. And that's about as far as I'll go on those tickets. Well, take it out if you can get it. Uh, before we get started, just a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has... And Instagram, you can check that out. That is at the strict.land on Instagram. We are always posting new content on there, so check that out. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this. If you are watching this on there, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel if you already have not subscribed. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it, it's nice sweatshirts, t shirts. Oh, yeah, we both are. Yeah, sweatshirts, T-shirts, hats, you name it. We've got it. Mugs. There's R.J. Barrett mugs. Um, Check all that out. And then the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every week, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Mailbag, alongside Dallas Amico. You also get access to... The Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a nine dollar tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. Wrote an excellent piece on RJ Barrett last week, and surely we are getting uh, the RJ Barrett comeback. So perfect timing by Matthew. There are further tiers. There's a fifteen dollar tier, thirty dollar tier, fifty dollar tier, and a hundred dollar tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on a pod recordings. Merchandise discounts and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started um, on this live Q&A. We already have some questions queued up uh, from people that dropped us comments on Twitter and uh, in the Discord, so we can get started with those. Zach, I turn it over Okay. So I do have a whole list of questions. I want to give priority to our friends in the Discord first. So we'll start with ZMP343, who asked, if the Knicks do make it to the next round, how do you think they would match up against their potential opponents in the Heat or the Bucks if they find a way to come back from 3-1? Um, I love. I, I think they match up really well against Miami. Uh, it feels like... If we're getting this version of Tibbs that's coached in this series so far uh, and the adjustments he's made, I like our chances against them. Uh, we obviously also won the season series 3-1. Um, one of those games we played without Jalen Brunson. We got a win there. <clears throat> um, 
we won the last game uh, without Julius Randle, although you could say that we've won three of our games this series without Julius Randle. Um, <laughs> but no, I I think we match up well against them. Obviously, Julius getting it together or recovering his health or whatever's going on with him would be a huge benefit. But um, I think we, we we have the horses to, to really just out talent them and and honestly they're i know they're up 3-1 against the bucks they i think they have the number one offense right now in the playoffs like i'm sorry i just don't think that's a sustainable thing um they're shooting like crazy hot from three and um yeah i i would i would feel pretty confident about beating miami they have a 120.9 offensive rating um in the playoffs so far during the back half of the year so after the all-star break they had a 115.6 offensive rating, so they're scoring well above what they were in the um, in the old regular season towards the end of the year. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I feel good about that. Milwaukee for me, like I know they're down right now, and honestly, Middleton doesn't look good, and Drew always pees his pants offensively in the playoffs. Um, I just don't really like that matchup for us. I think Giannis and Brooke give us really big problems things that are a strength against a team like Cleveland will not be a strength against a team like Milwaukee. So that one concerns me, especially given how Julius has played so far. Um, But we'll see. Uh, I I would definitely prefer our chances with Miami rather than Milwaukee. I will say that much. Yeah. I'm a little bit less confident than you against Miami, just because of the fact that Jimmy Butler is just on another planet right now. And, I don't know how the Knicks are going to stop him. But we also said that same thing. We were like, oh, the Cavs will have the best player in the series in Donovan Mitchell. So who knows? You know what I mean? But I, I do like the matchup against Miami more than Milwaukee. The next question, though, if you want to, if you have something to add. No, I have nothing to add. No. Okay. Uh, the next question is from our guy, Larry Israel. And uh, he says, why are some Knicks fans not contemplating the possibility of a game seven in Cleveland? I have no idea. Uh, I mean, it's possible. I don't know. I, I'm more focused on game five and game six. Uh, I will say, like, I don't know if it really matters what any of us do or say or think on Twitter, or in conversations on whatever media, in actual real life or anything. Like, all that matters is if the team is focused and if the team's not looking past it and if the team's, you know, got their eyes on the prize. And I, I would venture to guess they do. I, I'm not really worried about their lack of focus or they're um, them, you know, looking ahead. I, if anything, the the kind of games we saw yesterday, you know, with Milwaukee, especially blowing that game late and putting themselves in a very precarious position, I think that can help serve as a wake up call to a team like the Knicks. And um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I still think Boston's going to win tonight, but you know, they're you know they're letting Atlanta hang around early, so. Um, you know, if they lose that, like, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day. Like I'm not really that worried about if they lose tomorrow, I have trouble believing that it would be because they didn't turn up or they weren't focused or anything like that. I just think sometimes you lose a game on the road to Cleveland, but, uh, if you want to feel good about it, like the Knicks are three and one against them. There were three, there were, sorry, there were three and one against them in the regular season. And they're now three and one against them in the playoffs. So you're six to two against them for the year. Like, not saying that they have no sh- like Cleveland has no shot, but the Knicks have generally had their number this season, and this isn't like a Hawks thing where you know we swept them that year in the playoffs and then or in the regular season, then you get to the playoffs and 
you just don't have it. Like, I mean, to be honest, Julius has struggled a lot, but, and, and other guys have struggled from the field too. I think the Knicks are shooting under what are they shooting like 27% from three. I think they're the only team in the league that's shooting under 30% from three in the playoffs. And they're still up three, one. And I think for the most part, I feel like they've been generally producing pretty decent offense against what was the number one defense in the league. So, you know, um, you got to feel good about where they are. I don't see any reason not to. Doesn't mean that we should all be, you know, booking tickets for uh, either my South Beach or Milwaukee. I'm sure there'd be more of a rush for South Beach. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, I, they may contemplate it if you want, but I, I'm just like right now it's focused on game five and then you have game six at home if you can't get it done there. So um, yeah, you don't want to go back to Cleveland for a game seven, obviously. That's, hundred percent not something you want to do but um it is a possibility sure yeah i kind of echo the same thing but uh, i'm not i'm not too worried about the game seven i think we'll take care of it and uh, take care of it in six but uh the next question i want i wanted to go through was franklin chubb who asked which player would you most like to see fully resurrect their game next iq randall or grimes and which of these players has the best chance of doing so uh i mean i would like if it was randall um, because he was an all-star, all-NBA caliber player this season. So getting that guy back would be nice. Um, but I honestly feel like quickly is probably the one that's most likely. And I will say this. I, I, I've i thought this. I just haven't said it because I'm like, maybe I'm just being like a total homer here. Um, but I, I read that Fred Katz article today where he talked to an anonymous assistant coach. Um, and he mentioned that like, Quickly's role is not what it was in the regular season, how they're running a shit ton of the offense, even more than they did in the regular season, you know, through Jalen Brunson pick and rolls or through RJ Barrett pick and rolls or using, you know, RJ as a screener for Brunson, but they're running a lot of the offense through those guys and quickly is not as much on ball. In fact, we've seen quickly get used offensively, but he's being used a lot as a screener for Brunson. And I don't have a problem with that. Um, Like I know that, do we need quickly to get like be more of a dynamic on ball threat to make some kind of miracle finals run or something? Sure. Um, but I, I think you have to judge each series on its own. And, um, you know, we talked about this in our discord a few days ago, but like, I think there are some, some fair criticisms of like our offensive approach against Cleveland. Uh, but personally I'm fine with it. And I think, you know, could we play faster? Could we move the ball more? Could we, you know, have quickly run more offense and do more? Sure. You can, you can convince me of all that stuff, but like, I also think it's reasonable. uh, And we kind of have seen this play out in the series. I think it's reasonable to come to the determination that the only way, like we will take our chances of beating this Cleveland team four times in a best of seven series by prioritizing, not turning the ball over and just, crushing them on the glass and part of not turning the ball over is going to be uh, not moving the ball a lot. And um, I think it's reasonable to trust Brunson and, and lean on him a little bit. And like the Knicks have won three games, I think where they've won the turnover battle and the game they didn't was the one where they turned the ball over a ton and Cleveland, you know, got out in transition. I think they had what 32 transition points in that game. So, like, I think it's reasonable to just be like, you know, we're going to grind this out. We're going to play a slow, ugly-ass series, and we don't think you can beat us in that series. And so far, you'd have to say that 
whether you agree with that approach or think it's cowardly or whatever you think of it, like it's working. Um, so I, I, I would say that, so to answer the question, I would say that I, I don't actually think quickly's game is that far off. I think he's playing a very different role from, or at least he's, he's fulfilling different tasks, very game plan specific tasks that I don't think were the case in the regular season because he had more leeway. Uh, he had more leash to do shit. And uh, I'm not that worried about him, actually. I, I am worried about Randall. I don't know that Grimes, there's like much to, like, he's either going to make shots or not. And that's about it. Like, I don't know what else to say about that. I think his defense has been good. Um, I think he's competed well on, on the glass. Like, I, I'm not worried about any of that shit. Uh, it's just, will he make shots or not? Like, Randall is the one to me whose game is, you know, and look, he, he obviously had that ankle injury late in the regular season, Tibbs said, you know, after the game on uh, Sunday that a lot of guys wouldn't even be playing in the condition he's in. I, I don't know. Like, I appreciate that. At the same time, if you're on the floor, that's all I can really judge you on. Um, I have to believe that if you've been cleared to play and you're out there, that you feel you're at least in physical condition to to help your team win ball games, And especially these last two games from Julius, I know we've won we've not won because of him. We won in spite of him. Uh, I don't know how sustainable that is. I would suspect not. Maybe you can get by this Cleveland team just because we seem to be a very problematic matchup for them, but you're not going to get a lot further in a play in the playoffs. If that guy isn't playing at a high level. So whether that be, he needs to get healthier or, you know, he just isn't a funk that he needs to step out of whatever it is. Like he's the guy that, <laughs> that you need to, I would want to be like, if I could, you know, oh, bring me back the best version of Julius from the regular season over even, you know, I, I love quickly. I love Grimes, but like that guy is central to your plans in a way that those two just aren't offensively. And, and quite frankly, like those two can still help you win ball games and move the margins in other ways, other than how they're scoring or whatever offensively we've seen that I mean, quickly is still leading the team at plus minus for the playoffs. So right. there's not much resurrection to be done with this. Yeah, I mean, like he needs to make shots. Okay, cool. But like that that's its own thing. I, I just to me that's not like a resurrection. It's just like, will he make shots or not? Same for Grimes. With Julius, it's like it's not just about making shots or not. I mean, his defensive performance in the last game, and I and I I didn't particularly think his performance in on Friday's game in game three was that good either defensively. Um, but you know, on Sunday that was just an unacceptable performance, especially in the third quarter. He only had two rebounds in twenty seven minutes uh of gameplay, like you just need more from him. And um, yeah, that that's what it is. So if there's one guy I want to see fully resurrected, it's definitely Julius. We just got a follow-up question to that from, I believe it's Ruck on Twitter. And he said, if we're keeping it a buck, he hasn't, he, I assume is Randall. He hasn't been put in the best position. And I don't think he's played too many minutes with good shooters. and doesn't look like he can drive in as much, which is making him settle for shots. He probably wouldn't have taken the regular season. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Um, <clears throat> but even in the regular season, I mean, I don't like. This is the way I feel about this. Like, I can deal with him having bad shooting games. I can do. With, I I said this at the start of the series where like, I just don't think this is a series where you need to where you're gonna look at this and be like, the stats aren't gonna tell you everything you need to know about this series. They're just not. Um, it's gonna be an ugly series. Cleveland's a great defensive team. Again, they were the number one defensive team in the league this season. So like, you know, if you're expecting some beautiful flowing offense and a bunch of arcade numbers like this is not the series for you we've seen that play out both ways right 
Um, I can live with that. I'm fine with that. What I'm not okay with is like, again, you can't just mail it in and not compete defensively the way he did in that third quarter. And what made it even weirder was like, this is why I don't fully understand the injury thing. And I'm like trying not to just poo poo what, you know, his teammates and what Tibbs have said, but like, he makes that block on Donovan Mitchell in the third quarter in transition. And you're like, that's an incredibly athletic play. That's a wildly athletic play. He's had some dunks in this series that also looked yeah. very, very athletic. And he's, he's made plenty of athletic plays this series. Yeah, he had a dunk in game three. Like anything's visibly hindering him on the yeah, court. He had so. a dunk in game three. That was great. And like, yeah, look, some of, this, some of this could just be that he's still working his way back into game shape. Like, I can see that. I don't, that's totally possible. Um, but like, I need more from like there was a possession. I think it was 61 61. They come up. I forgot. Somebody missed a three. Might have been Lover. Somebody. I don't remember who it was. And Randall just stands there and just stares at like the loose ball. Mobley gets it, saves it. They score on that possession. We call a timeout immediately, but like that's just not a good enough effort. Like it's and I believe not. he was pointing at somebody else after that possession too. And it's like he's it's, he's always quick to point at somebody else rather than like going up to something or just do something better in the first place. So, yeah. And I'm not going to belabor the point. Like he, he didn't have a good defense performance. That is what it is. But I mean, if you really like, if you went back and look at those possessions at the start of the third quarter, just watch him on defense and Brunson wasn't great either, but like with Brunson, I don't watch it and think like, he's just not competing here. I just think he played bad defense with Randall. There were just too many possessions where I'm like, you're not even making a basic rotation here. Like you're not, you're not doing, your one fifth, you want if you want to call it like it's got to be better than that. So, um, you know, like it, it that, that's just what it is. I, I, I do appreciate the offensive comment, I do think that's fair. I mean, I've talked about it, like, I don't love that Randall or sorry, not that Randall. I like, I know the, the Hart and RJ combination. Uh, I know they closed out the fourth quarter pretty well, obviously, against Cleveland, and and that was fine, but I don't love that with Randall, and I do think part of the reason why they played well, um in that fourth quarter is even though Obi's not a great shooter, it's not like guys are Velcro to him out when he's out on the perimeter. He is just more active off ball in a way that Julius isn't. And that naturally I think commands some attention. So there's just a little bit more spacing when he's out there. They play with a different speed, which I thought carried over in the fourth quarter. Um, and he was just more active in that game anyway. So like more than anything, I just need Julius to be more active. Like he didn't play what well, he didn't shoot well in game one. I had, I thought he played a fucking great game. I, I loved how he played in that game. And he didn't shoot well. And he, he came up with the biggest play of the game, right? He comes up with that offensive rebound, which more or less seals the game for us. So, like, that's what I need from him. I don't, you know, you can, like, you know, let the clip fly and you go 6 to 21 from the field. Fine. I'll live with that. I just can't live with other stuff. The, the lack of hustle, the lack of attention to detail and defense. And then some of the, some of the passing stuff with him, like, just clean up your decision making a bit. I think right now he's sitting on like 14 turnovers to eight assists in this series. Um, so yeah, just just cleaning up some of that stuff would go a long way. And then again, the effort. That that's it for me. I, I can live with everything else. Like I, I'm I'm like very happy with basically everybody else that's played in this series, regardless of what they're shooting or how they're shooting or whatever, because I think their defensive effort's been there. And like RJ, I, I was very critical of him. Uh, earlier in the series, because I just thought his decision making wasn't great, especially that game too. But he's been absolutely fucking great these last two games. Probably the best two games of his career. So like, and and the last game, I, 
he what does he go like oh of six from three or something whatever it was oh six and three yeah yeah oh six and three he went I, he missed like four free throws and I didn't care like because I just thought he played so well he played hard and he made good decisions with the ball and like that's all I'm really none of those threes were were bad shots I wasn't like angry at any of those no times. no they were good shots and he's you got to take yeah. those shots when you're out there so yeah. um with Julius it's just like I, I think especially the last game he has this habit of when things aren't rolling for him offensively. He lets it affect his level and concentration, you know, on the glass defensively, whatever. Um, he's got to avoid that because they, they, they can't, maybe they can win this series without him doing any of those things, but they're not going to go much further. Uh, if he, if he doesn't do that shit. I want to, yeah. One more thing you were mentioning about Randall's rebounding. And you said this on the pod yesterday, but in game four, like he played 27 minutes and he grabbed two rebounds throughout the whole night. And then Obi plays 20 minutes and has yeah. eight rebounds. I know it's not like I'm sure there's some variances and randomness to that, but I know it's a reflection of somebody's effort there. So it's a little bit concerning. Yeah. Especially in a game where no team could make shots. So there are yeah. a lot of rebounds we had. Yeah. So here we'll, we'll lighten the mood with this question from night of cups in our discord. If the Knicks win the championship this year, should there be some space on the float at the parade for the players that kept us fans during the lean years, like Bernard King, Latrell Sprewell and Amari Stoudemire? Um, yes. Definitely. Yeah. Like I, I we should have I, extra floats for them. Actually, yeah, I, I would be surprised if they weren't there. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, they're in every game. Like Bernard King. Yeah, the they're in a lot of games. I'm sure that they'll be involved in some capacity. So yeah, I, I would be very surprised if they weren't involved. Um, to be honest. So yeah. And the bonus follow up for that one is, uh, what song will Mr. Dolan perform at the parade? Oh man, I'm not familiar with his discography. Yeah, I, I gotta, I got. Let me look. Let me, let's let's see what James Dolan, uh, his discography. What's is the like. What's the name of the band? I, I forgot, unfortunately. Eighty in the Straight Shot. Oh, of course. Let's see. Looks like he's got a few albums here. Um, let's see, man, this is a lot of pressure. Get Nate Robinson on a float expeditiously. We need to get Nate Robinson on his own float. He's got a song called Can't Make Tears. Or is that a CD? I think it's an album. He's got a, it's an album called Can't Make Tears. Um, well, I, I think there's a song on here, Fix the Knicks. Um, that might be the one. Actually? Yeah. The, oh, my goodness. So that might be it. Let's go with that. Fix the Knicks. Be a good one to have at the parade. Mr. Dolan, the Renaissance <laughs> man. Okay, the next one. This one is uh, Chris Persian and our boy on Twitter and ZMP343 and our Discord kind of asked the same question, so I combined them into one. But it's, uh, what do you make of RJ Barrett's two most recent games in comparison to the first two of the series? What's working, what's not working, and what was changed? Uh, okay. Um, I would say that I think, one... Apparently, uh, him and his girlfriend have reconciled. So that's really the biggest thing, right? Um, no, I, I Schwinnbaum, Schwinnbaum. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's what Twitter has told me. Uh, and look, I'll take whatever, whatever the reason is. I don't really care. It's just good to see. But I, I would, I think he's, he looks like he is playing a lot more decisively. If you look back at some of those possessions he had in game one and game two, where he calls for a screen, uses it, doesn't go anywhere, backs up calls for another screen like you already wasted the, in, the infamous play the infamous play yeah it's just you're, you're just you're you're wasting too much time there on possessions like that go and watch some of his possessions these last two games where it's like he's just making quick decisions i mean forgetting even what he's doing off the bounce he made a play 
in um in the in the game on on Sunday where I think Brunson got trapped, he swung it to him in the corner and he immediately like no hesitation swung it back out to Julius the top of the key and then Julius was able to find Hart in the corner. Hart didn't make the 3, but that was like he's not going to get any credit for that in the box score. No matter what, even if Hart had made the shot, he wouldn't have gotten credit for it. But those are like the small plays. The, 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 like th- that is how you turn small advantages into bigger advantages. And the speed at which he's playing at, his decision-making is really good. His passing the last couple of games has been awesome. Like he's manipulating the defense with his eyes. He's just making so many good reads. Um, like that's all I can say. I mean, there's, it's it's just the speed and the decisiveness he's playing with really is the biggest thing for me. Um, and, and honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but like I thought at the end of the year, he looked like he had lost a little bit of weight. And now when you see like, you know, that he's playing with a little bit more burst, I, I love the play. I don't remember whether it was Friday or Saturday. Um, I think it was or Sunday. Sorry. I think it was Sunday. It's like the first play of the game, right? Where he goes and challenges Allen right at the rim. He gets a foul. But I love that play. Like that, that, that's like there was no thought of trying to finesse it around the rim or take some like, you know, little bitty floater or whatever. Like he's just playing with way more force. And um, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing. Obviously, on Sunday, he also made like, you know, he made like a floater that like towards the end of the game, he made a couple of mid range step back shots that were like, you know, are we sure that this is like that? Is that sustainable? Probably not because he hasn't done it all year. But um, he made it on that night, and that was great. And he did enough other shit that you're like, like, is he going to go over over six on open threes every night? Either no. So um, you know, it's a little bit of give and take there. I just like the activity level, and then again, the speed at which he's playing at is a lot better. Not not trying to be too cute around the rim. I asked Prez about this. I don't know if he agrees or not. It looks like to me he's taking longer strides when he gets into the paint. He has a habit sometimes of like taking short strides and chopping it up a little bit. Um, and that kind of fucks him up. I-, I think he's taking longer strides and that looks to me like it's having a good impact. So um, those are the things I've noticed anyway. Yeah, he's also not. He used to like kind of drive and then he'll just give up and turn around on a play and maybe go to like some floater or some some sort of close shot. And now, I mean, he took thirteen free throws in game four. I don't remember the last time he took like over ten free throws in a game. Yeah, and I think he honestly like he could have earned fifteen or sixteen free throws in that game with the way he was going to the rim there. So yeah, if he's and, going and, and going looking for contact, that's a yeah. nice change. Yeah, and the other thing is he's also just like kicking it. Like he's making when he doesn't have a an angle to finish. He's making smart plays by just kicking it out to his teammates, trusting his teammates. I don't know why it took this long all season, and maybe it is that he was, you know, you know, a little bit in the uh, the emotional doldrums, um, and now he's back at it. But like, whatever the reasons, I don't really give a shit because this version of him is like what you've wanted to see all year, and it really does, you know. I've been super critical of him all year, but I've also mentioned, like, I do think, like, he has improved as a finisher. I don't think it's a fluke that, like, the two-point scoring, you know, his two-point percentage has increased. I don't think that's just, like, better talent, better spacing around him. I think that's, you know, an improvement he's made in his game. So to see him, like, tie up that, or, you know, kind of tie that improved finishing with the decision-making and just the general kind of 
clarity of thought that he's playing with is really, really encouraging to see. And honestly, considering how poor Julius has been in the series, it couldn't have come at a better time. Yep. Uh, this one is from your co-host, Stacey Patton, your co-host of Pod Strickland. And he asks, can Jalen Brunson be the best player on a championship team? And do the Knicks have a path to making that type of construct happen? Meaning that they don't add a player better than Jalen Brunson to this team. Uh, I, I, all these questions are really hard to answer. Yeah, this is such a because we're dealing with four games of one playoffs so far. Like we haven't even won the. First well, you can look back at you can look back at last year with Brunson in the playoffs, uh, and you have you have a lot of evidence of him just turning it up in the playoffs now. So for sure. Um, but like I, I don't. He wasn't the best player on that team last year. Obviously, he played like three games without Luca in the playoffs. He was really good in those games, but it's just not a huge sample of like what he does as the number one guy, um, number one option, whatever. (sighs) What I guess, like, what you can say though is I don't know if he can be the best player in a championship team. I do think that he's fully capable of being your definitely capable of being a primary ball handler on a championship team. Um, and it's like the, like kind of just the improved decision-making we've seen in the last two games where when he gets blitzed, he's trusting his teammates making like the right reads. That's really encouraging to see. Um, and we also know from him, just like the way he's played through his career is this is a guy who constantly finds ways to improve. So I, I think that stuff bodes well for him. Uh, I think he can be your, your definitely your uh, primary ball handler. I kind of feel like he can be your primary scorer. I, I mean, I know that's crazy, but like, again, this Cleveland defense is one of the better defenses in the league, and they they're throwing a lot of attention at him. He's handled it pretty well. I feel like that's uh, again, it's early, so this is kind of just a guess, but like, I I feel like that's a decent indication that that potential is there for him. Can he be your best player? Um, that's a little bit more of like a difficult question for me because, you know, um, your best scorer, your best offensive player might not be your best player. I'm not sure that he should be the best player in a title team, but like, we're kind of talking about semantics here now. So I will just leave it as I don't think so, but I don't, I wouldn't dismiss it entirely. Yeah, I don't think we have enough evidence to like sign the dotted line on him being like the best player on a championship team. But there are going to be nights, even if you do bring in a top ten, top five guy on this team, there are going to be nights where Brunson just shows up and he's outplaying everybody else in the court. And he's one of those guys, and he's going to elevate his game no matter what the stages are. So, yeah, there's probably a path where he is the best player in a championship team. But I don't this know. Is, this that... is such a disgusting question, by the way. Oh my god, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> oh man, no, they gave up their their picks for Kyrie. We don't want that trade anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what? I we we went into a lot of Randall discussion earlier than I expected, but there there was a nice question I, I wanted to yeah, get to you. We should we should do the follow up that Dallas asked, but not the entire thing because that was okay. Insane. Yeah. So D- Dallas wrote like a novel to us as a follow up to the Stacey. It was question, it's he, it was literally a three paragraph follow up to Stacy's yeah. question, and it was just a complete <laughs> nothing burger as well. Like it was not it was it was I no it know. wasn't it was it was very I, look it, he basically is I don't. I, he was casting a little bit of doubt on can Brunson be the what Stacy asked us, you know, best off best player in a title team type of thing. Um, so I did do a little bit of hunting 
um, on this because I wanted to to be informed. You know, I don't want to come in blind. So uh, I looked this up. The Knicks have a 105.1 offensive rating so far in the playoffs this year. Uh, that is 13th of 16 teams, the 16 qualified teams. Um, they have a 101.3 defensive rating, which is number one of all qualified teams. Okay, now why do I bring that up? That's ver- well below what they were doing in the regular season, especially post All Star. Post All Star, they were they had a 120.4 offensive rating, um, but they had a 115.7 defensive rating. Obviously, that's tightened up defensively and come down offensively. That's not all on Brunson, but you know, best players drive your offense. It is some indication uh, of where they are. Now, this also needs to be said. The Cavs, uh, after the All-Star break, they had a 111.6 defensive rating. If you look at them for the entire year, um, they had a 109.9 defensive rating. That was tops in the league. They are a very, very good defensive team. And um, in the playoffs, as we know, teams generally are less efficient. Teams are more locked in. You're on game plans, blah, 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 blah. I. I feel like it could one of the things Dallas brought up is like he was a 50, he's been a 55 true shooting guy in the playoffs. That's not particularly super efficient. It's also well below what he does in, in a regular season where he's usually like a 58, 59 guy. Um, I will say this uh, regarding this year's playoffs. I think he's actually pretty close to maybe having like a monstrous offensive burst out. And I say that. Because this, okay? This year in the playoffs, he's averaging 24.3 points, 5 assists, 4.3 rebounds. He is shooting 45.7% from the field. He's shooting 53.6% from two, which is massive. It's crazy. What was the biggest improvement Brunson made in the regular season this year? Three-point shooting, particularly off the dribble. He's only shooting 28% from three in the playoffs on 6.3 attempts uh, in the regular season. He shot 41.6% on 4.7 attempts from three. He's missed a lot of three-point shots that I would say are shots that you can reasonably expect him to make a better clip on. And even if the two-point percentage comes down a little bit, I think an improvement in the three-point shooting, which I suspect would manifest given a longer, a, a larger sample, you might be talking about a guy whose efficiency comes down a little bit in the playoffs, 57 though something like that um i don't i think it's i don't know exactly where all this lands up and that's why i kind of think not just with brunson but with this entire team you just have to let these playoffs just let it play out and then um take some time afterwards and really think about what the hell we just saw but like look all i know is every time somebody wants to put it i mean he even said it right every time people want to put a ceiling on him he just always finds a way like it's true though. Like every time somebody's like, "Oh, well, you can't do this. You can't be this. You can't be that." Like he goes on and does it. Um, he figures it out. So, if you want to bet against him, be my guest. I wouldn't. I, I think there's plenty of good signs here. Again, against a team that's loading up to defend on him, and is may he is the primary focus of this team's offense. And and I think it's worth noting. You know, we we talked about Randall. Um, maybe is being hurt a little bit by the spacing. Like I think that applies to Brunson also. And it hurts Brunson that, that look, RJ didn't start the series. Well, quickly has not been as involved in terms of 
on ball creation. Um, whether that be if you want to put that on quickly, you want to put that on, you know, the tactical approach. I think it's more I, I think there it's a mixed to an extent, but I do think it's more the tactical approach than anything. Um, but like Randall has been really not good offensively. And I don't think like I haven't noticed, maybe I'm off. I haven't noticed them sending as much help to Randall as I noticed them sending help to Brunson. That would probably change if Randall was scoring more efficiently from the field. Um, it's also hard. Evan Mobley is a really good defender. So I get that. Um, but like Randall struggles impact him. So if Randall was playing better and maybe we'll see it now with RJ playing at the level he's playing at, if he sustains that, you know, who knows? I, I think maybe some of that is some of his efficiency numbers are being artificially repressed in a way um, by some of the struggles of players around him as well. So um, yeah, I, I, I really think like, look, the guy easily could have, should have, whatever you want to put it, been an all NBA guard this year. You're talking about a guy, I think who's pretty, I think he's like a top, I mean, I haven't sat down and done a player ranking in a long time, but like, it's not unreasonable to be like, he's a top 15, 20 guy. It's really not. Yeah, I agree with that. And you were talking about his three-point percentage kind of like in a holistic approach, saying it was like 28% for the whole series. If you look at his game log, though, he was 2 of 16 for his first like 18 three-pointers, and that was all in game one through three. And then you look at game four, he shot 5 of 9 from three. So I don't know if like that's like he just flipped the switch that one night or maybe he got his misses out in the beginning. But we're just looking at too small of a sample size right now. And hopefully like the next two games will tell us if he starts knocking those down more. But I do see like there is some low-hanging fruit with the three-point shooting. There's low-hanging fruit with the free throws as well. Someone's in the chat said and that's that applies to the whole team. He's shooting ninety four percent from the free throw line this series. It's the it's the whole team. It's the whole team. Yeah. Well, he's he, he's shooting ninety four percent from the free throw line. Yeah, yeah, no, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, but but I I also think um, you know, with Brunson, like I don't want to jinx anything, but I feel like as the series, he's really he struggled at the start of game three too. He wasn't particularly efficient until the fourth quarter of that game. I really feel like he figured something out. And like that he had some bad possessions in the fourth quarter to start the fourth quarter where he was just like ISO, 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 ISO. Like that stuff isn't it doesn't help him. But when he went to any any pick and roll, you know, with RJ, with Hart, with Hartenstein, whoever it was, he was just roasting them most of the, almost the entire game. And it, whether that be him scoring or, you know, him swinging it to somebody else, it really feels like he's figured something out. I think, I don't know what Cleveland can really throw at him that they haven't already tried. And I just kind of wonder if we're going to see a guy who takes a, a step that even those of us who have watched him this entire season um, maybe weren't sure that he had. And um, we'll see. I'm I'm very interested to see how he comes out tomorrow in Game Five. I think he's gonna have a Jimmy Butler 56 point performance. One can hope. I will be hoping. Okay, the next one. This one's gonna kind of switch our course a little bit. But this one's from Brent Mashi on Twitter. But how will IQ's role? Will IQ's role shift to get him more involved offensively? And is his lack of scoring concerning you at all? Given Grimes' injury and increased flexibility with the lineups, what are the odds he experiments with potentially starting IQ in the near future? Uh, I have no idea. He like loves Josh Hart, and yeah, that is what it is. Uh, I, I would. I, I look. I'll just say this: like 
maybe quickly continue to struggle. Maybe Tibbs doesn't want to put him on ball too much in the playoffs, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. I really don't worry about him. I don't worry about him. I don't worry about Grimes because those guys have shown that throughout their careers, not just with the Knicks, but you know, before they got to New York in college and whatever, that when they struggle, they put their head down and they figure it out. And um, this team is littered with guys like that. Brunson, you know, if if you watch Brunson in the playoffs two, three years ago, you'd have been like, man, uh, this guy's not a playoff player. And he figured it out. And like, you know, will quickly do the same. Well, I don't know. I would bet on him. I would bet on Grimes. Uh, I mean, even like RJ, like some of the stuff we've seen now in the last two games, it at least gives you a lot. I mean, it makes me feel a lot better than what the hell we were seeing before that. So um, it, it at least it gives you the comfort of like, okay, well, this is maybe why we've been patient with him for as long as we've been patient with him. And this is why Tibbs continued to start him and continue to put the ball in his hands and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't think his role is going to shift much in this series. And like I said, I'm fine with that. I think like if you have found a game plan that works against your opponent, wait, like make them force you to find something like make them force you to change. And I know, like, I, look, I, I can't say enough about, I think it says a lot about quickly uh, as a teammate, as a type of guy you want on your team that he can have some of the games he had to close this season. And then you come into a series like this. And I do think some of the, some of the reason maybe for it is like the fact that he did have three turnovers pretty quick in the first game of the playoffs. You know, like I, I get that. I mean, he had an ugly possession in the second game, but like the fact that you can dial back his usage and put him in a more specific role and he can deliver the type of impact he has. Um, and, and really, I think his screening has helped Brunson in ways too, offensively. And then obviously defensively, I mean, look, the people that are worried about like, you know, oh, well, how, you know, is he having an impact or whatever the fuck it is, like, go watch that third quarter again on Sunday. Like, Garland was cooking us, absolutely roasting, you know, Brunson to high hell and quickly comes in and that that was it. Like there was no more Garland show. The Garland show ended right there, died. Um, and you know, he, he, he came in with three minutes left in the third quarter and he le- left with eight minutes left in the fourth. Um, so it wasn't a huge stint, but like you could tell he came in, Garland got out of his rhythm. And when he checked out, like the game was basically over at that point. I know it was only a four point game, but the Knicks had all the momentum. They were completely in control at no point during that stretch did it feel like the Cavs were seriously going to make a run? Um, and I do think like he helped change that just the way I feel like Deuce helped really get uh, like, he only played five minutes, but I thought the five minutes he played completely knocked Donovan Mitchell out of his comfort zone too. Um, but to go back to, you know, Brent's question, the lack of scoring is concerning in the sense of like, yeah, I would like for him to score. I'd like for him to make some open threes. Sure. Um, but like, I don't worry about that in the long run really at all. Uh, and you know, I don't do is Tim's going to experiment with him in the starting lineup. Not in this series. I think he, he likes the heart matchup on Donovan Mitchell and to, to heart's credit, he's done a very good job on Mitchell. So, um, you know, I don't love that offensive lineup and I do think that there are some risks there, but like, it's hard to knock the choices Tibbs has made when, you're winning games and, and when he's actually been willing to be more flexible, be more adaptable. Um, 
I, I think you have to give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt when he's showing you that even if he starts with something, he's been more willing to change things. Though I don't know why in the third quarter he left Brunson on Garland for like uh, until the lead evaporated. That was so weird. Um, but yeah, I, I, that is my answer to that question. Yeah, I think that moment where he left Brunson on Garland just let Garland continue to cook for that was like the one moment this whole series where I was like, wait a minute, Tibbs, what's what, what are we watching here? But besides those like four minutes, Tibbs has kind of just coached an A plus series for me, in my opinion. Yeah, he he that, that was weird. He was weird in game one with leaving that RJ RJ in during the fourth quarter. Then he pulled him, and they you know then they pull out that game. So he's had these stretches that are like, what the hell are you doing? But when he's gen like generally the lineups he's called, obviously game two wasn't great. <laughs> but the lineups he's gone with and everything like he's generally at least he's coaching a better series than Bernie Bickerstaff. That's all I can, or JB Bickerstaff, sorry. Bernie Bickerstaff, yeah, Bernie Bickerstaff, JB Bickerstaff. Uh, so I, he's, he's out coaching uh, his matchups and um, look, I, I, I thought, I thought his last, I, I honestly thought the fourth quarter that he coached and, and I, I, as soon as he put quickly in, in that second half and basically everything he did from that point forward, he benched Randall for like the every, first time every, ever. It wasn't even just that. It was when you know when he yeah. took quickly back out of the game, and then he put Hart back in, and all that stuff. Like, I thought he coached that 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 was his best coaching performance in New York, pretty easily for me. That was a great fourth quarter by Tibbs. I think it's pretty cool that we've had to call so many games in the past two or three months. Tibbs's best coaching performance in New York, and then he just continues to one up himself. Yeah, bring the the modern coach Tibbs, man. I love it. Yeah. Okay, our guy Kevin Stearns, Kev, he says, I think the Knicks should run it back with the same team next season. What do you think? Uh, maybe. Uh, I need to see how this playoffs ends. I, I'm sorry. like I can't say anything defini- definitively about Randall until I witness the entire playoff run that he has. Um, I feel a little bit the same way about Tibbs. I feel a little bit the same way about RJ, but Randall's the biggest one for me. Um, but like, I, I don't, it's hard to know exactly because you just don't like, you know, what if we, what if the Knicks, you know, they win this series, but then they lose in the next round to Miami. How do we feel after that? If they win this year, if they lose the series, how do we feel? If they win the series, win the next series, and then, you push like, I don't know, fucking Boston to six games. Like, are you comfortable betting on running it back? Or do you think, man, maybe if we can get a Jimmy Butler or somebody like that, if we can, you know, risk, you know, yeah, we have to risk something to get him. But like, if you can, if you can do that, is it worth taking the shot? I just think there's too many variables. We don't, haven't really seen play out yet to, to determine that. But I don't think running it back would be a terrible choice. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the choice that the front office decides to make. Um, We know that they have not liked to trade guys at low value at their lowest values, particularly Randall. We saw that with, I don't look, I RJ having these two playoff games makes me feel a lot better about just a lot of things, but I doubt that if, you know, like, even if they were interested in seeing what his market is this offseason, you wouldn't be trading him probably at peak value or even positive value necessarily. So um, I, I would suspect that running it back is a definite possibility and maybe one of the better ones. Yeah. Another thing that I don't see talked about enough on the, on Twitter enough is uh, 
people don't people underestimate roster consistency in terms of development. And I think when you bring the same guys back, and we've noticed it with Tibbs teams every single year in the past three seasons of Tibbs, is that they get better as the season goes on, and like by the end of the season, they're playing their best ball. And if you keep these units together, they're just going to get better and better together. So I think that's something to take into account. But even if it's not the same, like one through fifteen or even one through ten group, if you keep those same one through eight, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think this. I'm just going to throw this out there because I. I know this was mentioned a little bit earlier. You know, we were talking about Tibbs coaching and stuff like that. If there is a concern, the, this is the concern for me. Okay, I'm just going to read out some numbers. <sighs> Julius Randle, Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson. That trio is a minus 4.0. Um, hold on. That's sorry. I'm not in net rating. Let me find the net rating stuff here. Okay. Ah, here we go. Okay. Um, okay. Hart, Brunson, Randle. They are a... Minus sixteen point eight in sixty-seven minutes. Forget the the key thing is just how many of these are minuses, not how minus they are because the sample sizes are very small. So that that's a minus seven or sorry, minus sixteen point eight. Hart Randall Barrett minus twenty-seven point four in fifty-seven minutes. Hart Brunson Barrett minus nineteen point eight in fifty-three minutes. Hart Brunson Robinson minus seventeen point seven in fifty-two minutes. Hart Robinson Barrett. Minus 16 and 51 minutes. The, the, my, the, and this is not to crap on Josh Hart or any of these guys. This is just me. Like, I'm very worried about some of the spacing issues with that lineup. And this is, you know, um, I think who asked us that before about Randall, you know, some of the concern, his offensive struggles may have been about the lineups. I forgot who asked or mentioned that. Um, I think that's a valid concern. And then, like, part of that is obviously he's played this Hart Barrett combination a lot. Um, in in fact, uh, the the Hart uh, Barrett combo here is it's played seventy seven minutes together. It's not the highest combination. The highest combination is actually guess uh, Randall Brunson. They played one hundred and eight minutes together. But I gotta say, man, I'm actually just looking at this now. This is actually a little bit worrying. If you look at the Knicks's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10. They're top 10 two-man pairings in this series um, by minutes played, okay? Only two of them are positive. One is that Brandel Brunson one, which has played 108 minutes together. That's the number one. That's the most played duo. They have a plus 2.4 net rating. After that, it's a bunch of minuses. And, like, look, you're dealing with a four-game sample. Obviously, the Knicks have played much better in the last couple of games. But even if you, like, you know, we talked about quickly struggling, right? Like, he whatever you want to say about that, I still think he should play a little bit more than he has. Uh, like, those units have, in both games, been catalysts for the Knicks to make runs in both halves. And that's not to say, like, the Hart-Barrett uh, combo is worthless or doesn't have a role, but, like, I don't think it should be the... I, I don't think they need to play as much together as they have been in the last two or three games. Um, some of that is because of Grimes getting hurt, but even in game two, I thought that was way too much. Um, but yeah, like all of these, like literally eight of the top 10 most played two man pairings are all our minuses. And um, all like, oh, like uh, three or four of that were, sorry, three of them contain heart. Uh, three of them contain Barrett. And then if you, when you get to like, you know, the lineups that are positives, they have played smaller amounts, but it's like Hartenstein quickly, 
quickly and hard. Hartenstein uh, and Hart. Hart and, uh, you know, whatever. Hartenstein and Obi. Hartenstein and RJ. So, like, I do worry a little bit about that. I think you'll probably be able to get away with it in the series. And, look, some of this is if RJ makes some of those open threes, right, we're talking about a different thing entirely probably. So there's some of, like, you know, risk and reward here. But um, uh, Tibbs just needs to be cognizant of that. Keep an eye on it. I think it's definitely worth doing so. And again, I think it's worth mentioning like the struggles of individual players will affect a lot of these two man pairings and stuff like that. So um, it's not a perfect science, but I do feel like the heart Barrett combo does have some, does raise some issues for them offensively for sure. Yeah. It's also not a group Randall has played in the regular season, a ton of minutes with, if you go back and you missed those last five games rather regular season, Hart came off the bench for most of the games Randall was playing and playing well in most of the season. So there's just always going to be an adjustment period and stuff like that. So and and also like um, I get that he's he really is wanting to get RJ going and it has worked. So he deserves worked, credit. Yeah, yeah he it, he deserves credit for that. Um, but like some of your best pairings in this series and all season were like you know. Quickly, Hart, quickly, uh, Brunson, Grimes, Brunson, whatever the hell it is, right? Like all these different combinations. Uh, I, I mentioned this before. I don't actually know if they've played a minute yet. Um, but like in the first two games, he hadn't played a single possession of Brunson, Quickly, and Grimes together. And that was like one of their best combinations all season. So, you know, just don't totally go away from things that worked in the regular season. They've played five minutes with that unit, by the way. In the yeah, that was probably game three, I'm assuming. Or it had to be in game three. Um, they were, in those five minutes, a plus 87. Yeah, I mean, that's probably like... Which is nothing. I just couldn't say, but... Yeah, it's probably like they were probably like a plus seven or something. I mean, either way, the yeah. point is, they've been a good combination. The five minutes they played was a good combination in this series. So if Grimes is healthy, like, I hope that he still starts. I, I think, like, that's still better. Um and I think, like, even if you want to close with Hart, right? Like, you still have that option. You can still play him a bunch of minutes. We know that. So, um, I hope that doesn't change too much. And like, I suspect that at some point Grimes will make some threes. So, yeah, that's a very long answer to nothing that was even asked, but uh, would be very again. I think Tibbs just needs to make sure he's keeping an eye on that stuff and has a has a grip on it. Yeah. How about this? Is a more of a challenge than a question, but. Uh... Say something nice about Julius Randle's playoffs. And that's from G Baked in our Discord. Uh, he got the biggest. He made the biggest play of the game in Game One. He did. He also came out with a uh, a pretty pretty nice entrance when everybody had was had his doubts about his injury, and he came out and fired those threes right away and shut everybody up, which is yeah. pretty epic. Yeah, he shut everybody up, and then now we're all and then like, just then we're like, wait a minute, wait, is this is this happening again? Is did it happening again? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. The dunk was cool too in game three. The dunk was awesome. Yeah. And the block was awesome last game. Yeah, that was cool. So he's got some he's got some highlight plays, you know, something for the Instagram. Let's see. Um what oh, this is a, a great one. Well, I'll combine these two together actually. What teams in general are surprising you this playoffs, both good and bad, and then a la Malika Andrews? Who do you look around this league, Schwinn, as you're studying and say, We've got to run through them? Oh, uh Boston. Would be that my answer for that? Nobody, uh, in, I, nobody in the West. Well, no, no, I'm not thinking about the West. 
I'm like, the, Knicks, the next the next the Knicks are uh, they're they're fine in the West. No, I think Boston or Milwaukee really like those are the teams in the East that really would concern yeah. me. Um, maybe Philly, but Philly won't beat. They're not going to be Boston, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, and Joel Embiid will probably get hurt anyway, so who cares? Um, what was the first question again? It was like, what teams are surprising you this playoffs? Oh, uh, I, I'm trying to think. Are you surprised with the Lakers? No, if you're I, a ball mower. You're not surprised. No, I picked them to win that series. Yeah. I, I bet on yeah, them to win that series. Um, that was me as well. Kind of an automatic one for me. I, that Memphis team without Adams is just not a good matchup. Uh, I, I would, I, I don't think. I see, like, I'm not surprised by Sacramento. I'm not. I think that, like, I expected them to be good, and they're good. Okay, cool. Like, that's what I expected. I, I honestly, like, I don't want to say that I've been surprised by too many teams. I mean, Miami. I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, I guess I am surprised by them. But like, to me, that like what they're doing just feels very fluky rather than. Oh my god! They it's just been Jimmy out. nuclear insano style. Yeah, and they've made a shit. They've just shot like crazy from three. I mean, Butler yesterday. How many threes did he hit? Like three? Like he was hitting some ridiculous. Yeah, I think shots. more than three. I could yeah, he was yeah. crazy yesterday. Uh, so yeah, I guess them. I'm I'm surprised by Milwaukee in a bad way. Obviously, um, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. But, but like most of it is like I, I just I didn't watch them a shit ton in the regular season. I'm very. Uh, I don't think they can win a championship. Like Middleton just does not look good. And if he doesn't look good, that's a really big problem for them in crunch time because their best offense in crunch time has always been Middleton and Giannis running two man game. And if Middleton can't do that, then it becomes drew running two man game. And drew is. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's an adventure in the playoffs. Miami, obviously a surprise for them. Uh, I would actually, you know, I'll just throw this one out there. I'm a little bit surprised that I've not been that impressed with the Celtics defense so, so far in this playoffs. And I'm a little bit surprised with that because I thought that they would um, pick it up more so than they have. The first game, they were really good. And I do wonder if they were so good that they were just like kind of took the Hawks really easily and just did not. I don't think they've been as locked in defensively, so maybe that's just part of it. Uh, I am surprised at... I am surprised at how bad that uh, Memphis has been offensively. They've been really, really bad offensively. They have a 104.7 offensive rating. That's worse than the Knicks in the playoffs, by the way. Um. And they have a minus five point nine net rating in through four games. Uh, yeah, they're the end of that game yesterday. Like they made so many stupid fucking plays, it was kind of unreal to watch. Like Ja gets that steal, and then he dribbles like straight into like right at the start of overtime. Then he dribbles into somebody turnover. Lakers got a layup. I think it was AD that got that layup. But it was like, I mean, I'm just. This isn't really a surprise to me, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But like, at, at some point, like there needs to be a conversation about Ja, right? Because they're zero three in the games he played, and the one game that he didn't play, they won. And not only did they win, but that was easily their best defensive performance of the series. Like, at some point, if your team continues to like always, you know, whether they're better or whatever you want to say, but like, 
they're still very good when he doesn't play. And, I mean, I just could not believe how fucking stupid he was yesterday. That charge he had on LeBron was insane. That's like one of the, maybe the, I think that's the dumbest play I've seen all year. I couldn't believe that. And then he was, he was complaining about the call. And it's like, there's no way you can actually believe that you didn't commit a charge. That's a regular thing. It's not the first time he's tried some, some stupid stuff like that. I mean, no. And and it's like, you know, he fucking drives into people like crazy. And it's like, Oh, he got, there's there's no plan. There's no, we got to ban charges. Like, no, but what? Because no, like, yeah, just because he's out of control. Like, no, he, maybe he should fucking learn how to avoid traffic. Sometimes it's not a big deal. Um, yeah, I, so I'm not that surprised by that, but like to the degree at which they have struggled and he struggled, I am a little bit surprised to the degree that that's happened at. Um, and I continue to be, I will forever be shocked by Kevon Looney forever being a useful playoff player all the time. I just, an amazing thing for somebody who basically has been like 42 for 10 years. One thing that has pleasantly surprised me is that Anthony Edwards, after having a terrible playing game against the Lakers, where he was three of seventeen, has just been unbelievable against Denver. And I'm very happy. I like he, he's a very fun to watch, and I'm happy they stole a game against Denver, even though they'll probably get sent home tonight. But uh, that's been that's been a nice little story. And they, oh yeah, they look like they were on the brink of disaster. So yeah, and I, I liked. Uh, I thought Tobias played a really good um, yeah. opening series against Brooklyn, so that was cool for him. Yeah, he was playing on easy mode against that team, so. We'll see yeah. how it is against a real opponent. Uh, our next one, this is an interesting one, from Duder Adam in our Discord. He asks, which players on the Knicks active roster today, not including two ways, and I'm also going to not include like Fournier and Rose in this conversation, will not be on the Knicks roster for opening night of 2023-24? So like our actual rotation players? Like players that play minutes, yeah. Uh... Uh, let's say this is a tough one. This one, this one was stuff. I, I, I think the odds are all of them are back. That's why I honestly think the odds are if there's one, the, like if you want to mean to say most likely Obi, but the way these playoffs are going, like I don't, again, that's what I just need to see the entire playoffs. I, I need to see all of it because if Randall continues to struggle and Obi continues to play well, then I think that opens up a very interesting conversation and a very interesting thing for the front office to figure out and manage in the off season. Um, because, you know, I understand the, the injury part of it and everything, but like if Randall, he's shooting worse right now than he did in the Atlanta series. I think he's a lower true shooting percentage, lower field goal. And percentage. he's not getting doubled as much either. And he's not like he's the focal point of the offense. So it's, it's pretty concerning. It's concerning. And then it's just like, especially if they win this series, right? So, like, presumably at minimum, you'd get four more games after that. Let's say you play, like, 10, 12 playoff games this year. Combine that with the five you played in 2021. If he doesn't pick it up, pick up his efficiency, like, you've got to honestly be sitting there and being like, look, this is, like, a pretty... It's not the largest sample ever, but it's not an insignificant one. Yeah. He's 20... He'll be 20 nine next year not saying that that's like washed or something like that but it's like you're getting into the ballpark where you're like okay can we reasonably expect him to become a better offensive player in the playoffs or is this what it is 
it opens up that conversation if he continues to struggle, and especially opens it up if, on top of him struggling, you got somebody like Obi playing well. Yeah. Um, the next one, this one's a more fun one, too. If you could get a time machine and pull any former Nick and have them play for this team, who would it be? And then there's a caveat. They must be, this must be when they played for the Knicks. So no, like, prime Ron Artest or prime Jason Kidd, only in their Nick form. Um, it, it's Bernard King, right? It's Bernard King it? or it's... Um, I- yeah. I'll give you the the answer for the person who's twenty years old that hasn't watched like Bernard King. Or oh, let me guess. You're gonna say players. Carmelo Anthony. Wow. I was gonna not. say Carmelo Anthony. Wow. Wow. I did it. Wow. The yeah. one player that you guys like worship because the reason he, I'm sitting here now because he was the only good player on the Knicks during the most miserable stretch of their existence. Congrats. Hey, could you imagine if you were like 13, you got to see a guy score like 30 every single night against bad teams? It was pretty cool. And lose, yeah. I don't think I'd necessarily. Win. I didn't care. I didn't care at that point. Um, no, I'm not going to turn this into Carmelo Anthony. Shit on Carmelo Anthony hour. <laughs> uh, like, no, I think it's it's Bernard King. He was an absolute monster when he was with the Knicks when he was healthy. That guy, you put you put that type of wing scorer on this roster, yeah, you're you're doing fine. You're going to be doing really really fucking good actually. And honestly, I think the Knicks would win the fucking East if they had some prime Bernard King on their team. Yeah. Uh, here, this is a similar question. Who is a role player? This is from Matt on Twitter, by the way. Who is a role player around the league currently that you would like the Knicks to acquire? Um, I feel like awesome. Josh Hart set the bar so high for any role player acquisition for the next 10 years in this franchise. Uh, is... Austin Reeves a role player? He is, he's a role player. So maybe Austin Reeves? I really like his game. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. They could, oh, I mean, I guess I've talked about him before, but I think he's more than a role player, so I'm not going to... I don't think it's fair for me to to use him in this conversation. I was going to say Jaden McDaniels, um, but like I think yeah. he's more than a role player. So. I mean, I think him and Reeves, like six months ago, you would have told me that they're role players, and then now they've just shattered our expectations, and now they're both probably getting looking at $90 million, $100 million this summer. So Yeah, I think... Are they really role players? They're beyond that. I, I guess like role players is hard. Um, I don't really want him on the Knicks because I just don't think he fits anymore, but like I really like Peyton Pritchard. I'm surprised that... I mean, he's going to get moved this summer. It's just pointless yeah. room to be in Boston, but he, he's somebody I think... A lot of teams should try to buy low on. I, I think he's got a good game. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, I love him. I always would love him on on the Knicks. I've wanted him on this team for a long time. I think now, I mean, now we kind of don't need him, but if you got him, I'd be thrilled about that. Um, I mean, one of the guys we talked about in like separate discussions is Max Struess. It's going to be a free agent this summer as well. Yeah, I like Strews. I like uh, what's his someone name? in chat said Alec Burks, by the way, which would be completely awesome. Yeah, Burks, bring back Burks. That would be fucking great. I love, I, I, I like Trey Lyles. I haven't watched him that closely in this playoff series, so I don't know how he's played. He's been good. He's yeah, been good. I, I, I like Trey Lyles. I think he'd be an interesting addition for this team, especially if they're going to move Obi. Uh, yeah, those are probably some that just come off the top of my head. Kentucky made, by the way. Trey Miles, mm. Trey Trey Lyles. That's right. This one's fun. If Dylan Brooks were a heel wrestler, who would he be? And it can't be X Pac mm. because Mikey Cooks and Discord. Said okay, so. that doesn't. X Pac wasn't a heel <laughs> anyway. X Pac wasn't a heel. 
I'm trying uh, to think of like who was the he'd be D'Lo Brown. He'd be fucking D'Lo Brown. Ring heel ever. He would be D'Lo Brown. That's who Dylan Brooks would be. He's hundred percent would be D'Lo Brown. There's no question about it. I have to think Look. of some of the worst heels in my life. I don't know. What was your favorite crowd slash chance or interaction you've experienced live? I mean, right off the top of my head, I was at Game of Three, and like those RJ Barrett chants, they were ringing straight through the commercial breaks, and it even like right into like when this guy was not doing anything, or they're showing some other video on the screen. This crowd was just chanting RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, and that it, I had chills. I had chills. I don't know if you've uh, been to any other insane live events, but who, uh, who, what was the question again? What is the most insane chant you've experienced live? That was from Knight of Cups in our Discord. Is this like only Knicks related, or is this open to anything? He didn't specify, but I let's make it Knicks related, unless you've been to some crazy concerts or something. Uh, what's my favorite crowd? <laughs> Uh, You've I, been I to guess, WWE shows. WWE shows. I, I mean, I could, I could just, I could, I could just tell the story. I went to a Michigan baseball game once, and I got kicked out because we walked in with signs that were just like not appropriate to have. And then we stood at the like by the third baseman and just kept telling it. We, it was actually kind of stupid. We got kicked out because we were like, "Your mother doesn't love you." We just kept saying that, and he like somehow the fucking ushers that ushers there kicked us out for that. Um, so that was a pretty stupid but fun thing that happened to me one time. Uh, Knicks related, I would I, so not necessarily um, a crowd thing, but I got to do a meet and greet once, and I got to like meet Camby and Kurt Thomas and or not Kurt Thomas, sorry, Camby Spreewell, um, Charles Smith was there, which was not maybe my favorite interaction ever with the former player. Uh, yeah, that that was really cool. Houston was there, so it was cool to like actually get to meet those guys and Larry Johnson and shit like that. Um, and I did also uh, see them last week um, <laughs> after the Knicks lost game too. Uh, so that was cool too. That was so random. I don't know for yeah. anybody who do- doesn't know this story. We held, we held a little Strickland Patreons meetup and I left too early, but apparently Larry Johnson and who was it? Listen, Spreewell. Spreewell. Larry and Spree pulled up like an hour after the game and took pictures with Stacy, took pictures with Schwinn. And that was that I was very jealous that I left too early. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. We're getting towards the bottom of our list of uh, Discord and Twitter questions, but I want to get back to some that were put in the YouTube a lot earlier. And I want one from Jordan Bubb who says, what was the more impressive performance by the team, game three or game four? Uh, game four. Game four was like, I thought that was, it, that was as dominant a performance as you'll see in a long time. Uh, they controlled that game throughout. The only time I mean, there was there was those eight minutes of Garland where it was like Wait yeah, but like they they dominate like they should have been up by probably like fucking fifteen at halftime and said they were only up nine. Then they obviously they had a bad start to the second half, but for aside from like the whatever what was it like the nine minutes that Garland played really well in the third quarter, the other thirty nine minutes were like honestly just they were just better like they were flat out the better team. And not only were they better, like they left so many points on the board in that game. Like, how many free throws did they miss in that game? They missed so many free throws that they missed entire... a bunch of open threes too. It wasn't just a free throw. Yeah, but but like during that game, they were kept like Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. They kept talking about like, you know, oh the some of the worst losses we've had is you know uh, games where we just missed so many free throws. 
which is like totally correct. Uh, but but the point is like it didn't even cost them. It didn't cost them at all. They and they and the game wasn't even in doubt down the stretch or something. It's not like they like you know had to eke one out. They they totally control that. And I, I look the game three thing is like its own. You know, ninety nine, seventy nine. That's just like a crazy thing that happened. I was gonna say game three is more impressive, considering like how badly they lost game two, and they kind of had their backs against the ball. That RJ was getting those those doubts and stuff. And I mean, the whole team was getting doubts going into game three, and they just came out and pummeled that fucking kind of group. So I thought they that was did. Impressive too. I, it it was. I just think game four was like it's a short turnaround matinee game, a little weird. You know, you're up to one. You're going to get the Cavs' best punch because, obviously, this is like, you know, you don't want to go down 3-1, obviously. Uh, and you 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 control, like, the Knicks control home court right now. You know, like, they, yeah. they still have that edge. And so not giving that up, I think, was huge. And, like, I got to – I'm trying to pull these up right now. Okay, so the Knicks went 18 of 28 from the free throw line in this game. Like – they they left so many points on the board, eight of twenty nine for three, and this is why like the whole like Cleveland thing of like, well, we're just missing open threes. It's like, all right, well, it's not like the Knicks are like shooting the lights out here, you know. Um, I just thought that something about that performance, it felt like very. I don't even want to say mature because there were moments where they let their emotions and stuff get to the best of them. Like Hart had a stretch at the end of the first half where he was just like crying and he's more focused about getting foul calls than he was on making the right plays and shit like that. But I just thought they once when the game was in doubt, everybody on that was that played like that last 15 minutes of the game, basically everybody responded and put played positively and gave them a contribution that helped turn the game. And on top of that, like because the game was kind of in the balance there, it wasn't just the players, but Tibbs had to make the right calls and he made the right calls constantly. I mean, you know, I talked about the quickly thing. I thought he subbed him in and subbed him out at the right time after I watched it a second, when I watched it a second time, I thought he pulled, he brought Hartenstein in at the perfect time. Then he took him out at the perfect time. You know, he, he just nailed so many different things. And then on top of that, you have like these crazy plays, right? You've got that OB offensive rebound. Then he dribbles around and lays it in. You got heart. He gets two monster offensive rebounds that, more or less seal the deal. RJ has that floater at the very end. That's just like that, that basically that, that really did end the game. Uh, you just had all these monster moments and it was like the culmination of this weekend where it felt like the entire fan base was, I, I don't know. It, it was the storybook, Hawk, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the Hawk series was like, it, it was, it was great to have the Knicks back in the playoffs and that was cool, but this felt different because one, this team is way better and two, like you're playing, I think, a better team than that Hawks team. And you're playing a team that traded for the guy that presumably you were supposed to trade for in the offseason. So there's just all these different pieces to it. Um, so to see them respond the way they did in game three, but then on top of that, follow that up with that performance in game four, I thought was just super, super impressive. I, I, that one to me is, you know, uh, maybe I, I'm maybe I might be in the minority on that, but I thought that win was fucking fantastic yeah and you were talking about donovan there and i, I want to add one question that i have just for myself people are saying i saw this on twitter today he's like oh we're, we're gonna get the donovan game we haven't gotten the donovan game yet like he hasn't had his 45 point he had 38 like, in the first insane, fucking you know game. i just thought first I, I said that and then also like what, what is he gonna do like what is what are the knicks have like what do the Cavs have to do to unlock him there's not much 
that they have left in the tank. So like, I, I really am not convinced that we're just going to get some random Donovan like outlier game. I just like, don't. That, under- nothing I've seen suggests that right now. Well, I also just think it's a bullshit. Like, yeah, okay, Donovan Mitchell could have. He's fully capable of having a great game. I mean, we know that. We've we've seen him have great performances throughout his career in the playoffs. But like, why is it like? Can we get a Brunson game? Can we get Julius? Like, I don't even need a Julius game. Can we just have like a reasonable shooting Julius game? Like, we don't even need some of these outlier things. We just can need, we have like, a reasonable shooting game as a team? Can we shoot yeah. 35% from yeah. three? That can, can, nice. Yeah, could can quickly make some threes? Can Grimes make some threes? Like, can you know, all there's all these things. Can we just have a decent free throw shooting game? There's a lot of shit out there for us, too. So, yeah, the Mitchell thing for me is whatever. I, I just think people are like, they're always expecting him to have this. Like yeah, I, again, I've always thought this. I just think yeah. the, where people's perception of him is versus where I actually think he ranks is a little bit different. Yeah, I, I definitely had some homerism with Donovan, and I've been proven wrong. Uh, ha- I'm happily proven wrong, though. This one from Nikki Sax says, "Hey, Shwin, he's a massive stan of yours, and he loves your Please. emotional outbursts on the pod." Don't stand me. He's stan. a stan. Everybody stands you. Don't worry. <laughs> stan Hypothetically. Who's the best disgruntled superstar we could possibly get for Randall and X amount of firsts? For Randall, I don't know if anybody is disgruntled right now, but I guess if you had an asterisk like can get disgruntled, I can still <laughs> forecast the disgruntling. Um, unless like Luca, is he disgruntled right now? I don't. Who the fuck wants Luca? Yeah. Uh, no, the <laughs> one for me that I just keep going back to, and I've been kind of focused on this the last few weeks is. Butler, like I just think Butler. Yeah, and there's a couple questions in chat I was going to get to about Butler. Yeah, though. Butler's one. Uh, another guy that it's possible. I'm not saying I would necessarily do it, but I think it's possible. Uh, would be Siakam, but I, they wouldn't want Randall, so you'd have to find a third team. Blah blah blah. Like I do think uh, we don't know what the hell Toronto's going to do. How much Siak- of an upgrade do you think Siakam is over Randall? I don't think it's something I would. I don't think, think he's a. I don't think he's an upgrade at all in the playoff or in the regular season. Yeah. But the playoffs, uh, I don't know. That's that's just like that's why this Randall stuff is really hard to figure out, and I'm happy that I'm not going to be the one that has to do it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, the people who know more than us can make the right decision. So, yes. What would be the? I can't find the question in chat, but like two people asked it, and somebody asked it on Twitter as well. But what would be your Jimmy Butler package? Your your maxed out package this summer? Uh, let me look for it in chat just to get it on screen. I would. Probably say something like RJ and two first. I don't know. Like I, I really I don't. So. I, I just Butler's older, man. That contract's huge. Like I think that you're not just like doing them a solid, but you're giving them a younger player who you know at at bare minimum he's had two really nice playoff games here in a row. Um, he's locked in on a contract that's pretty nice. You give them some draft capital, which we know they don't have a lot of. You're taking off, you're taking a contract off their hands that is pretty expensive and is a longer, it's like goes for another, what, couple, two, three years, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm like a bad person to ask this question to because I genuinely don't, love the concept of trading a bunch of shit for there are very few guys I'm like very into trading for. And I think when you, when you kind of 
lower the bar, that's when you get into trouble. Uh, like, not saying Butler, Butler is way better than than this guy. But like, you look at a guy like Dejounte Murray. You know, like, would the Hawks do that trade again, knowing what they know now? I, I don't know. I would think they would at least have more reservations about it than they did at the time. Um, but like, the Knicks are in a good good spot, and Butler's awesome. But Butler's also a weird player. Like, he has these amazing playoff moments, but then like you forget. When he like two years ago, they lost in fucking round one. They got destroyed by Milwaukee, and he looked terrible in that series. And people forget that stuff, right? So like you know, he, obviously he has a great run last year. He had a great run in the bubble. But bubble doesn't count. Um, but like he he's he, he's a tough one for me because I really like love the way he plays, and I think his playoff performance in general like he just seems to dial it up at the right times so often um but in, i'm just i'm just like very risk averse on this stuff so i'm like a probably a terrible person to ask this for um but i don't know you tell me what would your package be i think i'm a little bit i mean i'm probably very close to you but i'm a little bit more ready to make that trade if we're if if the front office is but i would probably go rj two unprotected firsts I would even like throw in Deuce if I have to, and maybe throw in like a future swap, like a if you want to do like a twenty twenty four unprotected, twenty twenty six unprotected, and then a swap in twenty seven or swap in twenty eight. I don't know. You get so nerdy, and you get. I don't know, I, I'm not doing all that stuff now. But I, you know I what mean, I mean? I would say that like we know that Miami doesn't like to tank. Uh, I wonder if you could just like, what what if you would Randall work there? Because I think if I could do Randall, yeah, that's think, another thing. But I'm also worried about the fit with RJ and Butler to line up together in the regular yeah, season. It's, 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 it's not weird. The, it's not the greatest, but like, I I also think like if you get Butler, let's say you just effectively the player swap piece of it is Butler for Randall, you're gonna force Tibbs to some extent to play smaller, and I think that can help some of the uh, spacing issues that might exist there naturally. Uh, you would probably need, I mean, Obi would get a little bit more run, which would be nice. I think you'd see a lot more heart at the four, however you want to put it, right? Like heart or RJ, whoever is at the four there, whatever the fuck you want to say. Um, I think that stuff is appealing. I, it's, it's intriguing anyways. And we know that if nothing else, we know that Jimmy Butler um, can handle the uh, demands of Tom Thibodeau. Oh yeah, and how storybook would that playoff series be? By the way, with Jimmy going against Tibbs in the next second round, that would be very funk. Another yeah. comment though, he said uh, someone said like the Butler contract only has two more years after this, and the contract isn't that horrible. And like I do agree with that. And I think Twitter has kind of been hating on the Jimmy contract a little too much. And, like that number is super high. I know the annual value is super high, but the cap's going up. It's got two years left, and it's well, it's it's always I'm one of those things in the regular. It's 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 harder like when you're looking at it in the regular season and he's missing, you know, five games here, two games there, three games there, you're like, man, this sucks. But then you watch him get to the playoffs and yeah. he's there available every night. And you see the things he does. It's definitely, you know, I you get your money's worth. Yeah. And like, this is why this conversation is so hard to have right now, because like I could dream up of a Jimmy trade. Right. But it's like, I might think in, in two weeks, I might be like, we should not trade for Jimmy or in a week I could be like, we need to trade for Jimmy. Like it's, it's just, it's so dependent on like what we see. And then, you know, I really want to like, 
at least think about this shit. I want like a week after the season ends, whenever it ends, to really like kind of detach and um, think about all the different stuff that we saw this year from various players and all that shit and kind of make a more reasoned uh, decision. If not, I mean, look, I, I tried, got to try to learn from uh, last off season when I wanted everybody to go. Well, not everybody, just tips and riddle. Um, yeah. So yeah, try to try to get better every day. You know, that's what we try to do here at the Strickland. Nice. We only got a few more questions left, but this one was one of my favorite ones. I saved it for the end. From Knight of Cuffs in our Discord, he said, "If you could retire a Nick jersey because of how bad the player was, who would you? Which one would you retire, and why is it seventy-seven? <laughs> I actually have an alternative answer for this, but I'll let you. I'll let you cook first. Uh, why? It's Bargnani because of that shot against Milwaukee, which is still yeah. the dumbest thing I think I've ever watched in my life. Um, you know, I don't know. If Bar- I don't know if Bargnani is the guy that I actually." Like if he was the player I despised watching the most, though, I I, I would I would love to see some answers in chat for this question. By the way, the worst Nick you could retire a jersey if the if you could retire a Nick jersey because of how bad the player was with that player in chat. Oh, I mean, for me, it'd probably be like fucking you know Jerome James, fucking absolute disaster. Eddie Curry, uh, you know, fucking Lee Nalon, bumass. There, there have been a lot of bad Knicks. I, if you want like an actual, a guy that wasn't actually bad, but had a horrific career moment with the Knicks, it's Charles Smith. Um, that's just unfortunate for him that he had to have that moment here. But uh, that I have one I can't fun. believe you haven't said. But oh, is it Moutier? Nope it's it's a double number. It would say zero Payton. slash twenty twenty one for Cam Reddish. Oh no! And I, it would be the ultimate victory lap for the Josh Hart trade. And if Josh Hart can actually raise the banner himself, and he can retire zero slash twenty one, <laughs> and that will be that will be mine. I mean, Alfred Payton would be one. He was miserable. Oh, that would be a great one. Six. It could be for Payton. Oh, yo! You know who's actually underrated for this? Fucking Aaron Aflalo. Oh, number number four for the great. Is he four? I don't know what the hell he was, yeah, dude. Was that four. guy. I remember that entire second half of that year. That fucking guy would like. He literally thought he was Michael Jordan. Like, he was what? taking all those mid-range pull-ups like yeah, was, he was mellow or something. Oh my, oh my god. goodness, that was crazy. He would like look off Porzingis all for the like time. a free throw line pull-up. Well, like oh my goodness. Here's one. Would you do Randall for Porzingis? If I told, if I could guarantee you, Porzingis would play sixty-eight games a year. Yeah, and you could. And okay, you could, well, actually, let me. Is it just kind of presenting it straight up? I don't think that works, does it? No, well, he's a free agent, so he'd have to do like signing. Yeah. He'd have to get, but I mean, let's say like they would just, you know, he'd, he'd get around the number Randall got. Okay, well, I also think like the current version of Porzingis, is like you take the risk about him not playing that many games. So I would like to get picks back if, if it's if it's like that version of Porzingis. But if you're giving me this like golden version of Porzingis where he's playing 70 games, 65 games a year, then yeah, I, I'd do it. How many games? Did, I mean, it's weird because I, I think at the end of the year they shut him down, like the last two, three games or whatever the hell it was. He missed the last one, two, three, six games. I don't think he was actually hurt because they sat him, they sat Beal, and they sat Kuzma. So he played 65 games yeah. this year. Uh, he put up 23-8 and just under three assists. He had a great season. Yeah, 49.8 from the field, 38.5 from three, 85 Point one from the free throw line would be nice to have another good free throw shooter. Uh, 
I also yeah, I mean, don't like his his like his coaches throughout his whole career just like haven't been amazing, and I think we haven't seen the best of him yet. And how old is he now? Like twenty. He's young. He's actually a year, yeah. he's a year younger than Randall. So yeah, I think there's there's some stuff we haven't seen from him yet, and it's a it would be a fun situation. It'd, It'd be, be interesting. I look. I again. I I really don't think that we need to like the the, the Randall thing. Just we need to see how it plays out in the in the in the playoffs. But like, there are definitely guys that you know. If he continues to struggle, I think you need to at least consider um, doing a deal for it. I I don't even know if Porzingis needs to be one of them. I'm just I just think he's an interesting fit because. We could definitely use somebody who could space the floor a bit. Um, it would not... make RJ's life a lot easier, and it would be interesting because, like, you know, we know Porzingis. Yeah, we know Porzingis plays the four and the five, so it'd be kind of interesting to see, like, you know, if you get him, does that now give the option of like maybe trading uh, Hartenstein for a piece at a different position or something like that? It gives you, it would open up different options. So I just, I'm, it I'm also gives us that. so much more like versatility scheme wise in the playoffs. You can like put him at the five and mess things up for another defense or play them up a four and go big with somebody with Mitch. I think it's, there's definitely some, some intrigue to that. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting one. Say we beat the heat in round two. Do you still think about trading 31 year trading, trading 22 year old RJ for 31 year old Butler? If we beat the heat. Butler's 31. And let's say, I don't think, but is he older than 31? I this think he's the older, right? says. He's 33 and he will yeah. be 34 by next season. So, I mean, it depends. Like, Again, if you get to the, the Eastern Conference Finals and you play a competitive six-game series against Boston to the point that... And let's say Boston wins the championship, right? Like, I understand that... I probably would not at that point... I mean, I would almost definitely would not at that point trade RJ for Butler. But I also think, like, if you truly believe that that extra, you know whatever percent he gives you over RJ turns you into a contender. I think you, it's reasonable to take that chance. Um, even though RJ is the way younger player, uh, I, I do think that it'd be reasonable. I think that, you know, the point is to win a championship, right? So if you, if that move, if you feel that that gives you true championship upside, I don't think it's crazy. Yeah. This one, this should be an easy answer, in my opinion. Start, bench, cut, Jalen Brunson, John Morant, De'Aaron Fox. My answer to this one is uh, start Brunson, bench, De'Aaron Fox, and cut, John Morant. Yeah, that's, I would, yeah, that's pretty easy for me. I Yeah, that was an easy one. I wanted to make sure. I, I think, and I think, like, if you wanted to say Fox over Brunson. Yeah, fine. sure, sure. Yeah, I wouldn't hate you for that. Yeah, I think that's like totally reasonable. Um, but I'm gonna roll with our guy. I do think Fo- Fox's speed is crazy, and actually, he's become like a very lethal mid-range scorer now too, which is kind of wild to watch. His but... three has been falling a little bit more too lately, which is very nice for him too. So he's made he's made a little bit of a leap, and that's 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 nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would go Brunson. Start Brunson. Start Brunson. Bench Fox and cut Jaw. I'm just I've not been a Jaw guy for a while. I've I've been like, I, honestly, I think like after maybe his second or third year in the league, I was like, I'm, I'm out on this dude. I don't, I don't like his game. I fucking hate his personality. I fucking hate all of the shit yeah. that he's constantly involved in off the court. I would not want him anywhere around this team. I'm thankful. Like RJ Barrett might be 
you know, he's obviously had a very up and down, uh, to be generous, fourth year in the league. But like the most, what is, like the most dramatic thing we've had to deal with with RJ is like, you know, he didn't say like, hi didn't to, talk to media one time. Yeah, like, he nice. didn't say hi to Bondi one game. Like, okay, oh jeez. Yeah, if if we if, if we had Morant here, that'd be oh my god, I'd be fucking oh miserable. I can't stand that guy. This one's a cool one. Who is your first choice to replace Clyde as color commentator when he retires? My answer to this would be anybody but Wally. Like, no disrespect to Wally. He's a great <laughs> guy, but the, the, the commentaries. Is he a great guy? Do you know that? Are you sure? You just I mean, that? he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it can't be Wally. It can't, it can't be Han. Han is not good. on the. Oh, he's just boring. Yeah, yeah he's boring. That's just not his wheelhouse. I think uh, you got to get like a, a name. name. You got to get a former player. You got to get somebody who is like cool on the court. I just don't get like they, they got already. They got Clyde. So I'm like, why? There's really no former Nick that like you could start grooming to be that. Like fucking Wally, who never played here, is the guy that. Yeah, like what's that? Yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all. It can't be Wally, and they have the money to like go get like a, a name, name. You know what I mean? Like they can go get somebody nice. I mean, doesn't Jamal Crawford do? I was just, I was gonna suggest that. he does the NBA, NBA and TNT stuff. Yeah, and he's also got his own podcast going, and he's like chimed in on a bunch of other broadcasts and stuff. So he's like making a career for himself in that space. Yeah. If, so if I Channing, think there's, yeah, he'd be good. If Channing Fry wasn't a fucking loser, I'd suggest him, but he is a loser. I know Steve Novak has chimed in on a couple of broadcasts for, he did, he's, like, I've seen Milwaukee him on like, and stuff, right? He does or, MSG AM. He comes on the MSG AM yeah. thing sometimes. Um, he'd be okay. Or at least be interesting. I mean, somebody from those teams, maybe we can get J.R. Smith, get J.R. Smith to do hilarious. it. Hilarious. That would be fantastic. I'm sure that would be, as entertaining as Clyde has been. Um, I need so, to watch his documentary. It keeps showing up on my social medias. Yeah, and we'll get Starks. Get Starks to do it. Let's do that. Starks would be cool. Yeah. We get Spree. Spree would be fun, too. I don't think Spree's going to do it. Spree actually speaks really well, but I just can't imagine him being a fucking color commentator. This was another one. This is the last one I had on our Discord list, but it's uh, also from Knight of Cups. He says, Phil Jackson visits the team and he spikes the punch with Peyote. I, I don't know if I pronounced that right. Peyote. He said, which, yeah, Peyote, which Knicks have fun and who freaks out? Okay. Phil Jackson comes, spikes the Peyote. Okay. Um, Obi has fun. Mitch definitely has fun. Mitch has plenty of fun. Yeah. Mitch, Mitch has a blast. RJ's probably I think just, Hart has fun too. Yeah, Hart Hart has fun. Hartenstein has fun. RJ's boring. Randall hundred percent freaks out. There's like no question yeah. why Randall freaks out. Um, I can't tell if quickly would be fun or if he'd freak out. It's really hard. He would probably freak out or just like. Leave. I think he'd freak out and then he'd have fun. I mean, that's how it would go for him. Uh, I think Deuce would have fun. How would I Tibbs think, be? Tibbs, would, I think Tibbs would have fun. Oh yeah, I think Tibbs. Yeah. Has I think Tibbs when he like, I bet when Tibbs cuts loose, he's probably fucking awesome. He just doesn't cut loose that often, or like ever, maybe. I can't uh, wait for when he retires and does like a little media tour, and he finally like gives us the stories and gives us that that inside information that he just hasn't said for so so long. No, nah, he he doesn't usually do that. He didn't do it in Chicago, and he had a terrible relationship with that for all. I mean, he's never done it. I mean, we have to yeah. wait till he's like fully, fully out of, out of, out of it. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Open up about so it. I think, I think, uh, I think Hartenstein would have fun for sure. Um, Sims would be boring. I think he might freak out. Uh, who else is there? Fournier would have fun. Rose would have fun. 
Rose would probably let me. He's probably like, this is my first rodeo here, guys. Uh, who else on the team? I forget. Daquan Jeffries, no thoughts on him. Trevor uh, Keels. Trevor Keels probably wouldn't feel it because he would. His reaction to, I think it was the Randall dunk or some sort of like highlight play, but they got a clip of Trevor Keels like going crazy on the bench, and that was that was a fun moment. But I don't remember what it even was, but he seems like a cool guy. Yeah, um, good for him. That's great. I don't know anybody yet. I can take some more. Oh, Brun- some yeah, Brunson. Do we think Brunson is Brunson having? A oh good yeah, time? the vi- the vibes, the vibes are immaculate. You know, he'll be fine. He'll have fun. Brunson will be fine. Yeah, I think that. Is there anybody we missed? No, that's it, right? I don't think so. Oh, I mean, we think like, it was like is is Wes like I think Wes has a blast. Wes have fun. Oh yeah. Leon fun. freaks out. Wes has a blast. Uh Brock Aller, he freaks out. What about Dice? Dice, he probably freaks out. But I got good vibes when I met Dice after that game. <laughs> yeah, Yo, you should have seen it, man. Dice, I, I didn't even realize I like saw the this massive crowd of people. I was like, who, who, what's going on over here? And I look at Dice. Like, <laughs> like, like you would have thought he played for the team, like the, the crowd that he had around him. What do you think? You think Rick is Rick Brunson? Uh, oh yeah, he's having fun. He's having yeah. fun. He's having yeah, fun. that might be yeah. a problem. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> it would be. I'm um, just looking back at the list and see if I like glaze over anything or skip something. But there was a uh, one question that somebody asked: Are you comfortable right now? If like if there was some sort of Randall trade this summer, are you comfortable starting Obi right away, or would you be more looking for like to trade Randall for like another power forward to slide in there? So, uh, so if we traded Randall, would I need another power forward? Yeah, is that basically the question. Uh, yeah, I think or, the, another... the the way he phrased it is like, do you think Obi is ready to start? Um, I there's no way for me to answer this because we just have like such a limited sample yeah. of this. I would just say my gut instinct is sure. Yeah, like I would probably just want it, but I still think you need to sign or draft or something. You have to get another power forward in the building too, um, because like you know. Wh- We've seen it. This oh good, wow! I can't believe the Hawks just tied this up. That's crazy. Um, it's tied. Oh my god! Yeah. They were like on fifteen, like a second. I was just box score watching, but I'm yeah, it's one eleven, one eleven now. Uh, but like, I think you would still need another body, and we've seen this year. Like, one of the biggest reasons the Knicks are up in this series, but also just had a good, such a good season, is the depth. Right, the depth has been awesome for them all year. It's been huge, and um, you know, getting that. You, you wouldn't want to lose that formula, even if you have to change kind of, you know, if you're obviously making a change, like Randall goes out. So, yeah, I think not a thing. I, w- I would definitely want another power forward. Like I said, Trey Lyles would be somebody of interest to me. There are some other guys I'm sure we could think of if I sat down and looked at it. But, like, there's also the draft. I know that there are guys that Prez likes in yeah. there. So There is uh, a question I do want to answer. Like, somebody just asked, do the Knicks draft a player this year? Like, do you think they'll draft a player this year? And my yeah. answer to that is, like, they, ha- they have to. If they don't draft a player this year, that would be uh... – I would be. I'm actually. I'd actually be slightly surprised if they don't draft a player this year. Yeah, me, me as well. And you have to have that rookie contract on the books. Those things are just so useful. And I, the Knicks have just had so much success drafting in the past that, like, why wouldn't you just draft somebody? And we've seen like this front office is able to make second round picks just appear out of thin air. It seems. So I would be very, very shocked if they don't draft a player. I would guess that if they don't draft a player, I, I would think that that if they don't draft a player, I wonder if that's a sign that they think Rokas will come over. That is an interesting one. And that was uh, if somebody asked me, like, oh, who's the one Nick you think would get traded? I was going to give you a troll answer and say Rokas. Maybe they'll, they'll send his rights off somewhere for something. But Yeah, I don't even know how he's done this year. I think he's doing well. Neither do uh, I. But, like, he is CAA, so I I, I don't think... They, I'm sure they have all the intel in the world on him, so... I, and I and I 
100% think they drafted him because they like viewed him as a very good prospect. So it wouldn't surprise me if like they don't care about not having a pick this year, but that is because they plan on bringing Rokas over who would effectively be like their rookie, you know? Um, that would be one to me. Yeah. I mean, I think we got through everything unless anybody has any last thoughts to put in chat right now. But this was very fun. Uh, I can't believe the Hawks. Did they just get it? I think. Um, I just have the ESPN like game cast on the other screen. So I think Boston just got. They just picked up a technical and Trey drew a shooting foul. So he just made the technical. Now he's got two free throws with uh, 139 left in the game. Should the Knicks. I'll bring this up. Uh, should, the Knicks, should the Knicks chase a stretch five for the bench? Um, I think you should always be on the lookout for that archetype of player because it's super valuable. But I, I personally feel that the threshold is really high. And these guys that are like, you know, was like, who, who's the guy the fucking Celtics tr- traded for? Mike Muscala. Like, Muscala, fine... that was a guy who I, that was a guy who I wanted the Knicks to make a call for and see like, yeah, oh, like he... get him as a stretch five. But he's like a fine player for the regular season, but he doesn't matter in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, he matter. He... So, so the bar for me is like, that's why I do think Porzingis, like even with his health issues, is intriguing because he's a guy who can credibly like be a stretch five, you know? Um, so, yo, what the fuck are the Celtics doing? This is wild. Uh, yeah. I, 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 ESPN is saying Jalen Brown, bad pass. Yeah, that's exactly that what just happened. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I think stretch five is, it's always something to be interested in, but it's a very hard player archetype to find a good enough player for um, like, you know, how many guys are really credible stretch fives? You know, it's like Horford and Porzingis. You've got um, – there's somebody else I can't think of right off the top of my head here. I Anthony just Davis? No, uh, Brooke Lopez. Okay. Anthony yeah, Davis a, doesn't – and AD's not a good three-point shooter. He's Yeah, but he takes them. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's not like a – he's just really useful because his defense is insane. It's just unbelievable, um, yeah. Yeah, he's wild. But I would say that, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm always – you always want to look for that archetype. It's just really hard to find ones that are good enough. Yeah. I mean, somebody that, like, I don't – I mean, you'll, <laughs> you'll never be able to get them from him, uh, get him from them. But, like, a guy that I, I unironically think is a useful tactical option at times as a stretch five is Maxi Kluba. Um, but there's no chance you're dealing with Dallas. And honestly, he's had a lot of injury issues too, so that's a, a, a separate concern for him. Yeah, bonus question: When is how many years will it take for Mark Cuban to do another deal with the Knicks? Uh, seven years. Seven. Seven years. years. I he's not going to like because technically they hit, they haven't done a deal with us since the Porzingis trade, right? Uh, I guess yeah. Well, what I mean, is they, Marcus, what is Marcus Smart doing? This guy is a fucking idiot, man. Sorry, they have brought uh, in all our scraps, though. They brought in like everybody who we didn't need anymore. Yeah, but but, but we haven't done a direct trade for them since the Porzingis trade, so that's yeah. the last time. Um, yeah, I so that's that was what 2019. So, yeah, I mean, what seven, seven, yes, seven years from now would be like 2030. It's 11 years, it feels like Cuban would have enough time. Between now and then to get over it, yeah, I like that. You think he still owns the team by then? 
Yeah. Probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he loves it. He, he, he thinks he's, you know, fucking Pat Riley. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see anything else in the chat and then we've gotten through our whole list on Twitter and discord. So I think we can wrap it up. Yeah. That's fine with me. Uh, yeah, this was fun. Thanks everybody for, uh, giving us questions and uh, hopefully the Knicks uh, close it out tomorrow. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Um, we can plug our beautiful Strickland merch one more time. The link is in our Twitter. The link is on our website. The link is Strickland, the It's very easy. It's comfortable. It looks good. You can rep your favorite players. You can rep your favorite Strickland people, your favorite everything. And there's more to come. Plenty more to come. So, yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, uh, for joining us. And uh, everybody have a good night. And let's go next. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.